Will you pray with me? God of our days and of our years, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of our hearts be pleasing to you, the one for whom we wait and watch this New Year's Eve. Amen. If time had a shape, what shape would time have? This was a question the author and speaker Rob Bell asked in a podcast episode he released in April 2020. I don't know about you, but it seems for me that I can't go a week without some conversation considering how much our understanding of time has changed since that COVID-19 crisis first set in four years ago. Especially in that spring of 2020, stay-at-home orders and all of our daily anxieties about the unknowns of the disease shifted and warped our temporal sensibilities. But Rob Bell thought that maybe this shift was more than just the changes in our daily routines. He said that broadly, we humans have have thought about time in three different ways or shapes. And the shape with which we think about time in this day and age began in 2020 to feel like a square peg in a round hole. He put it this way, first prehistoric humanity thought about time in the shape of a blob. Beyond the patterns of day-to-day life, waking, eating, sleeping, simple routines, time had little to do with much beyond the rising and setting of the sun. It was amorphous, abstract. But eventually, as humanity became agricultural, time solidified into the shape of a circle. As life became oriented around the change of the seasons and their different agricultural tasks, time became something that passed with seasons that circled back upon each other, each presenting specific challenges and opportunities. Any specific season was neither good nor bad, but each had a part within the wider rhythm of life. But eventually, humanity became industrialized, and time took on the shape of a straight line. Rob Bell pointed out how this has served us in many ways, for it's provided us a framework with which we've accomplished much of the progress we've seen in recent centuries, from technological progress to medicine and so much more. But thinking about time as a long, straight line headed forever into the future obscures time's true dynamism. And when life's progress is halted, like it was in 2020, we no longer know how to navigate the landscape of time. This shape no longer works. Bell hoped for us that the crisis of the pandemic might create an invitation to see again a circular shape to time. Each season is not simply supposed to get us to the next step on a perfect straight path, but instead each moment meets us with both challenge and opportunity within the sacred, mysterious cycle of time. John 15, the second passage we heard tonight, was written to people in their own crisis with their own worries about their timelines. This passage was the first part of what scholars call John's farewell discourse, 
three long chapters in which Jesus offers his final teaching before he is arrested. It's a climactic part of the story, a crisis moment of sorts. And Jesus begins his last long teaching with that beautiful image. I am the true vine, and God is the vine grower. What might it mean for time to be vine-shaped? Episcopal bishop and scholar John Shelby Spong points out that Jesus in the Gospel of John is presented in a particularly mystical light. Spatial and time images drop away as Jesus teaches about being born of the Spirit, which Spong says is to be born to new dimensions of what it means to be human and to participate in the eternity of God. I am the vine and you are the branches. Abide in me as I abide in you. These words may not have yet made sense to Jesus' followers at the time who yet did not share his anticipation of the events to come. But on the other side of Jesus' death and resurrection, they would remember and cling to this promise that Christ is still alive mystically abiding within them in this vine-shaped sense of time. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit. These words, too, would be vital for the first audience of the Gospel of John. John was written some 90 years after Jesus' resurrection. With New Year's tonight, we've all been thinking about how much we have changed over the last year. Imagine how much had to have changed in that first century of the Jesus movement. This teaching in John 15 then taught that Jesus was not far away back in the past at some previous point in the timeline. Instead, he was still alive, abiding within the early Christians in their friendship and their discipleship and in their embodiment of Jesus' good news. In Berlin in the late 1700s, another follower of Jesus sought to provide some words that helped reshape what it meant to understand Christ as alive within us in his own day and age. Friedrich Schleiermacher, who went on to become one of the most formative Western theologians in Protestant history, was just 29 years old when he gave a series of speeches that were later published in a book called on religion, speeches to its cultured despisers. This timeless theological work came in the midst of the Enlightenment, and many of Schleiermacher's own friends were educated and art-oriented and connected to this world that was beginning to feel as if religion was outdated, nothing more than narrow-minded fairy tales. Schleiermacher shared some of his friend's skepticism, but sought to speak up for a different kind of faith that did make sense in the modern world. With On Religion, Schleiermacher defines God in whom time exists. I'll say that again. For God, time is not something to which God is subject, but time exists within God. And Schleiermacher thus defined God as an infinite or an interconnected whole, with a W, like the whole thing. Schleiermacher was fascinated with the notion of infinity, and he emphasized an idea that much of modern science has since confirmed, that 
everything in our universe is somehow interconnected. To Schleiermacher, then, God is the whole of this infinite interconnectedness. Religion, then, is not about naive stories with which we ignore our interconnected reality. Instead, he called it a sense and taste for the infinite. The purpose of religion is to help us foster together a feeling of God's presence, God's eternity within us, and to practice together this abiding in Christ as Christ eternally abides in us. He says this, in the midst of the finite, or in the midst of the fact that our days and years are inevitably numbered, to be one, or perhaps to abide with the infinite, is to be in every moment eternal. I'll read that again. In the midst of the finite, to be one with the infinite is to be in every moment eternal. This is true immortality, he proclaimed, not some perpetual life on a linear plane, but an awareness of the depth of God's presence that abides within each and every moment of our interconnected existence. I think this image we have tonight from John 15 is particularly beautiful, this idea that we are branches upon the vine of Christ growing from and into the eternity of God's life. John Shelby Spong also points out that this image of us as a vineyard is not new to Jesus or original to him. It was one that the prophets Ezekiel, Isaiah, and Jeremiah all used to talk about Israel as God's vineyard, who he lovingly tended and pruned throughout the years. Jesus, a Jewish mystic himself, expands this metaphor with his followers to give a word of hope that's grounded in a historic idea of God's faithfulness over the centuries. We heard another reading tonight from one of those prophets in which Jeremiah proclaims on behalf of God a promise of a new covenant written on their hearts in which I will be their God and they will be my people. This promise of an eternal covenant with the infinite God was meaningful to Jewish people 3,000 years ago, as it is still meaningful for us tonight. United Methodist churches do have a long history of covenant renewal services on New Year's Eve or watch night tonight. And like Eric said, this tradition predates Stephen Schleiermacher. It was 1755 when John Wesley first held a covenant renewal service to provide a chance to reaffirm his faith and discipleship with others to recommit to abide in Christ. These services were initially held on different nights, sometimes on the night of a full moon, but in 1780 it became tradition to renew one's covenant of faith as we watch for the faithfulness of God in the final hours before a new year. About a hundred years later, this idea of watch night did take on new meaning as the country, especially African Americans in the U.S., spent New Year's Eve waiting for that Emancipation Proclamation, which was enacted on January 1st, 1863. Ever since that one hope made real, watch night services then have been a reminder of God's covenant, not just with individuals, but with people as a society. 
And Watch Night celebrates God's ancient promise to let justice roll, do- roll down like waters, even in the midst of a world that yet watches with places that feel as dry as empty riverbeds. It boggles my mind that it's already been almost four years since that crisis year of 2020. Many crises have happened since, from natural disasters to newsworthy headlines that remind us how much justice is yet to stream through the crevices of society. In many ways, line-shaped time still does not fit the form of the world in which we live. But tonight, as we watch the final hours of 2023 and await a new God's faithfulness in 2024, we are reminded of the covenant God makes with us that we might be God's people and that God might abide in us. God tells us tonight that time is not a simple straight line, but a living vine, a circling ring, maybe, that reminds us of God's promise to be present in each moment of our unfolding lives, in our pruning, in our growing, and in our bearing of fruit. So friends, as we reaffirm our faith tonight, we will begin with adoration and thanksgiving. With that, we remember that God's eternity is not far away, but here, infinity abiding within us. Then we offer confession to create space to give God the bad along with the good of whatever we bring into 2024. And then through Wesley's original covenant service and around the communion table, we will reaffirm our own covenant with our infinite God to abide with Christ in each season ahead, whether we feel full or feel empty, whether we feel exalted or brought low. As we do this, we do so knowing that God's presence is within us, calling for healing, justice, wholeness, and growth. This is not some perfect progress on some imaginary line, not some narrow New Year goal that we must simply accomplish. Instead, it is a deep abiding in the mystical presence that pervades our cycling lives. Tonight, we say yes to God's own presence, God's promise and call, to God's endless life and love, alive and abiding here. Amen.